UX Podcast Episode 169. Hello and welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're your hosts, James Roy Lawson. And Pat Axbom. And we're balancing business, technology and people every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. With listeners in 171 countries around the world, from China to the British Virgin Islands. And today we are talking to Donna Spencer, who is a freelance user experience designer who specializes in large, messy websites and large, messy business applications. She has written three books uh, on card sorting, on web writing and information architecture. So... We met her at EuroIA, where she hosted the workshop Introduction to Information Architecture, covering core concepts and practices that are fundamental to any kind of information architecture work. Now, um, Donna is she is Australian and lives in Australia, um, and that means that it's it's not so often you get the chance to talk and meet her, talk to her and meet her in person. But she was here for EuroIA and also on holiday with her daughter, so it was especially fun to sit down face to face. With Donna. Introduction to information architecture. If you're getting into it, what what do you what do you actually even say to people to get them introduced to information architecture? So I teach this workshop in two formats: one as a half day and one as a full day. Yeah. And here at Euroia, Euroia. Let's let's get that one in in a word. (laughs) Um, I had four hours and teaching. Teaching information architecture, all the things, yeah. in four hours is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, teaching yeah. almost anything in four hours is quite mm. insane. I know. Mm. So, um, and this is going to sound really dry as well, but I promise I'll make it more fun than this is going to sound. I talk about like category theory. So I teach people oh, about okay. how, how we think we think about categories, like Aristotelian mm. category theory mm-hmm. and modern category theory. And so how we actually think and how categories work in our brains and how language... Um, and categories are embodied and stuff, and I make mm. it fun, and we play some games. Mm. Um, so we really like that's kind of the foundation, and that's I think a, a foundation for information architecture work is really understanding groups of things and concepts and ideas. And then we go through a little bit of a kind of a you know we want to have an, an activity in a workshop, so mm. we go through something to work on. So we do a tiny weeny bit of user research discussion, mm-hmm. and I focus on because. These days, most people who turn up to a workshop know, uh, know that user research exists. Many of them have done it. Mm. Um, they know something about it. So I don't need to teach them what user yeah, research because, is. Because of this kind of, when you've got this kind of audience, because we're, we're a, a, well, it's a UX information architecture yeah. conference, it isn't the place that strikes me as where you'd where you turn up to, to, to get on the train, to actually start yeah. your yeah. journey in, in some of these subject matters. Yeah. So I, in there, I, I, talk, I talk only about the things that you might think about for user research if you're doing a, an information project. Mm. And there's, a, I mean, there's not a lot, but the, I just get them thinking about those things. Because if you've done, I find that when I'm working with people, if they've done a whole bunch of um, discovery kind of user research, they haven't always thought about real information use and really diving into how people, you know, find, use, share mm-hmm. information. So I, I do a little bit of that. Then um, I talk a whole chunk about content analysis because mm. I think that's, again, one of the things that if you've been doing kind of more interactive projects and all of a sudden you need to do a more informational one, mm. I've seen a lot of projects fail to understand the content deeply. 
people are really good at going, we know, we know we need to understand our users, so they do good user research but fail to understand mm. content. So I dive into that, um, teach a little bit of content modelling so they can start thinking about relationships and objects and, mm. you know, what content actually mm. is. Mm. Um, talk about different kind of classification schemes, like when audience schemes work and when task-based schemes work mm. and so subject-based schemes. schemes and things like that. Oh, you mean like you split it into to target audiences? Yeah. So if you're doing an information architecture, one of the things that comes that clients will often say is, "We should arrange this content by our audiences." So universities right. will often do staff, future students, current students, alumni. Yeah. Um, I always have an example from Dell because they say, "For work, for home," mm. which are just insane categories because the products that you buy, you could buy for either thing. So, like, oh, yeah. that's that yeah, kind yeah. of... I talk about the, all those ways that you can organise. So, mm. audiences and tasks and subjects and um, geography, um, time-based schemes. So, we talk a chunk about when those things work and when they don't. Mm. And I give them... Because I've done this a lot. So, I can give people lots of tips on things like audience-based schemes and say, this seems like it's going to work. People will say it's going to work. You'll be frustrated because it feels like it's not working. And that's because it's not going to work. Mm. Um yeah, and then and then I usually ran out of time. <laughs> uh, and then I teach, teach a little bit just about you know tips and tricks and you know things that people ask me over the years about what their IA is. But yeah. the difficulty of all of this is that every single person in that room will have a different kind of information architecture project. Yeah. Some of them will be doing global navigation for some kind of information-heavy site, like an intranet or government content or something. Some of them will be doing e-commerce where they've got like a bucket of products that Mm. they're trying to describe, tag and Mm. surface. And those, like those things are really different. Mm. So um, it's hard even in a day to cover off the different styles of project that people are doing Mm. and the bits of skills that they need and kind of make it coherent. But, you know, I've been trying. Been trying uh, for ten years. It, people walk out with um, good skills to to take them through, but it certainly isn't everything. Mm. So I'm um, glad today that there's. Yeah. Uh, but it gets you thinking. I mean, you really th- yeah. stop to think and sit down for four hours and just think about information architecture. Yeah. My feeling is, uh, and has been for a while actually. I mean, my bible back in the day was information architecture for the World Wide Web. Yeah. That's how I got into the industry, ma- basically. But it seems like people have forgotten this core knowledge. And when you try to learn UX today, it's all about uh, experience yes. and image. And, and it's, it's like and, the and Apple. And Apple, bleh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even I, worse, it's all about yeah. the tools. So it's yep. like, so I, I, yep. I'm sensing like it's forgotten. So we, in that sense, it's really relevant to have an introduction to information. It absolutely is, yeah. I think I need one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's not, yeah. it's not a criticism yeah. to say that. Yeah. I've, I've been in this field for a long time. Yeah. So I watched as... You know, first we were mm. all about information architecture mm. and that's what we were doing yeah. and we were figuring out how to mm. do structures and navigation mm. and search and all kinds of things. And then the field did fall into user experience mm. and really thinking about those experiences and starting to talk about how we make things delightful and sticky and engaging. Mm. And and that stuff's super cool. Like, it's really fun. Um, it's more interesting for visual people who yeah. I'm not one. But yeah, I'm I'm seeing an awful lot of people who have been in UX for a while, but don't have this, don't have the information architecture skills mm. they need for a complex project. Mm. And so that is why it's good to have intro workshops, good books, 
because a lot of people are hitting this wall where they're like, oh, I've done some navigation design and now, and, and I think I kind of know, but they don't know. It. Oh God, this, um, so, I sound so critical sometimes. A lot of times they just don't know. They don't know what they're they don't know no, about. No, but exactly that. Well, because the yeah. core and the structure yeah. and setting up things well yeah. and not diving into interface design before mm. you've mm. thought about your content mm. and how it all hangs mm. together. Mm. I worked on a project mm. once where the timing didn't work very well with me, my availability. So they started navigation design before mm. I'd done the content model. Yeah. And I said it wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I, won't ever, I couldn't tell what the project was. But I looked at the navigation design mm. and I said... You know, some of that's really good, but some of this cannot work. You can't put that content on the page with that sidebar because there is no relationship between those objects. Mm. You do need to wait for the model so that you can see this piece of content. I can then find this other stuff in the database and put it on the page. But if you haven't done your modeling or you know, mm. understood your structure, you certainly can't like go putting things on a screen. But until you hit that wall and you go, oh, there's a gap and I didn't know how to do that mm. and this thing didn't work, I think it's a big, um, I, you don't even know what you don't know. No, exactly. And that, that is what I think one of the biggest challenges we we have in the industry is you've got to, you've got to feel where the boundaries are yeah. of, of what you know. And um, without coming into contact with multidisciplinarians or, or multi um, a, a multitude of aspects of the work, yeah. you're never going to know, yeah. oh, yeah, of course, I do need to think or talk to someone about mm. information architecture at this point. Mm. Um, and this is what conferences are great for, mm, because yeah. you can turn up and sit in a room and have ideas fall in your head that you didn't know that you needed to know. Go, oh, look, yeah. there's all these other mm. things happening out there. There's techniques that I'm not hearing mm. about. Mm. One of the things that happens when uh, the industry is busy is we're all so busy working hard, mm. we don't write. Yeah. Um, because we're like, we've got jobs and things. So true. So there's all this stuff happening where mm. people are learning how to do things better and making new techniques and we don't get to write it down and share it because mm. we're busy with our jobs. Yeah, <laughs> the best books have come out of economic slumps yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's true it, it normally is the case yeah. i mean mm -hmm. I've, I haven't written anything now for a year mm. um because i've just been yeah. too busy i've <laughs> had like i've got a list of projects <laughs> that i'd like uh, to write but i've got a job and it's uh, great and i go to work yeah. i'm not going home to write <laughs> on the weekend exactly. but, but you're right so it, sometimes it is just enough to to have that taster to be to be right sometimes like we do on the podcast as well mm. we, we we introduce things um, to ourselves, that we, new new topics that we haven't really heard or thought about, yeah. but it's 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 enough to actually just know they're existing. Yeah, um, to give you that 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 insight into mm. what you need to do. Mm. So what so what has changed? I mean, we if, if from the viewpoint of information architecture and thinking about how you would introduce someone to it, how how would you introduce someone now compared to maybe ten years ago? So uh, I think two things have changed. One is that most of us are working on much more complex things than we used to. Mm -hmm. um, and both our industry and the, you know, the client industry at large have also in that time had exposure to user experience. Um, our industry have had exposure to some information architecture concepts and things. So because clients... Uh, you know, understand that usability matters and that experience matters, they will then pick up some, like some work and just do it themselves. Um, so we're not getting that level of simple work uh, mm. anymore. Like the consultants don't do easy things. So the, uh, you know, industry as a whole doesn't 
doesn't necessarily have to work on easy projects. Mm. So we're getting the harder projects, of course. Mm. Um, and, um, and we know more about what we're doing, so we're doing our complex projects better, I think, as well. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you think about something like, you know, a big catalogue like Etsy or eBay or something, and the way we would have designed it 10 years ago, we're doing better at it now because we collectively just have more experience. Yeah. Mm. Um, and like our, uh, 10 years ago, we didn't, we weren't dealing with as much, you know, user generated content and personalization and, you know, so many people logged into things and trying to deliver experiences that fit those people. We weren't doing as much recommendations work. I can't mm. think of really good recommendations yeah. sites, mm. um, 10 years ago. And so I'm, I'm working in TV at the moment and just like super I I obsessed about understanding why people like shows. Like what is it about that show and that mm. show that mm. mean, that are really seem really different that means a per person likes both of them. And, you know, 10 years ago we weren't no. diving into those kind of details mm. um, and trying to deliver personalisation. And mm. yeah. yeah, we weren't collecting the data. We didn't have the services to collect the data. And, and we didn't have as much analytics and data, yeah. 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 It just struck me now with that... Um, even longer than ten years ago, we we were doing, we were doing uh, services and and, and websites mm. where it was their first website. Yeah. So so we, we you know the tools we had maybe oh, twenty years ago or fifteen years ago, you were you were getting gigs where you actually had to take a company from off the web to on the web. Yeah. So yeah. so that yep. just approaching mm. those kind of projects from an information architecture mm. point of view is utterly different to when yeah. you're getting called in by a client who has mm. an e-commerce site or um, yep. something mm. where you've got to pull in what they've got and make adjustments. Yeah. So w with all of their back-end systems and all of the I've done grocery websites and the it's it's actually fairly easy to come up with the IA. Like that's a job that's <laughs> doable. Um, mm. I mean, there's some work when you've got 20,000 products in a store. But we know how to tackle that. Mm. Yeah. The hard thing is bridging that and the back-end systems that have things classified in an entirely different way. Mm. The grocery store I work for, their back-end classifies soda bottles by size because that's what matters when you're oh, putting yeah. things on shelves. Oh, yeah. Humans want, you know, cola, lemon lemonade whatever mm. you know humans think about the flavors they want or the brands that they want mm. not the size of bottle yeah and the, the, so the you have to bridge those crazy things yeah and how you categorize and group yeah isn't i mean i don't think of all the kind of one and a half liter bottles of, of, <laughs> of, right. of mm. coca-cola products first i'll maybe yeah you know, i'll think of fanta orange first maybe and yeah. then and then yep. we'll decide okay no that's too much for the kids to drink we'll get yeah. a smaller bottle mm. yeah so the ia for that is mm. easy comparatively still yeah. like you know needs thinking but the hard bit is the integration, working with the organisation, yeah. with their existing systems. They're, and they're really interesting problems, but they, t they turn big really fast. It yeah. looks like you need to fix the IA. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, I can do that, but what about all of this? Mm -hmm. I'm sort of wondering, so who's doing all this work? Because I'm thinking now, I'm looking, yeah. at, looking at job listings. And I don't see anyone list uh, that they want information architects. I look at the UX job postings. They don't list information architecture as a competence. So really? what what are the clients asking for? Do they know what to ask for? Well, before you before you yeah. answer, Donna, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna throw in and say yeah. uh, another difference, uh, maybe with say fifteen years ago, um, SEO branch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder if that's related. Mm. Well, we did mm. seem to go through an SEO 
period where everybody was really focused on getting their SEO right. And then I think, um, at least in my experience, the SEO and information architecture folks kind of realised that as long as you're not trying to do dark SEO, just doing really good content mm. um, with, you know, well, well-grouped, well-structured, well-labeled mm. gets you a very long way. And then there are tweaks, which yeah. I don't know how 10 years ago when SEO was all the rage. It wasn't tweaks. It no. was like massive um, SEO efforts. Mm. Yeah. And that's possibly why, it went, uh, like at a point where information architecture fell off a bit as well. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I think yeah. that's my feeling a bit. Like that that ten, 10 years ago or so, then people, organisations became acutely aware of appearing in search results. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the times, it was an information architecture problem or a content strategy problem. Mm. Like, you know, you can't appear top three on Google for something that you have no content about. <laughs> That's right. It's it's kind of it's kind of basic in some ways. But yeah. but that was the kind yeah. of thing that happened. So so you didn't and, and Unless you do white text on a white paper. <laughs> <laughs> well you you um ten years ago people weren't kind of like ring, picking up the phone and ringing up information architects to solve that problem. No. Because there was SEO companies who were jumping on so the problem. We probably always had a marketing problem. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And so you're like you were about to say about uh, who's doing this work yeah. and yeah, why is it not in I job listings I and things. I don't know anyone who calls themselves an information architect except me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've just met yes. one. Actually, Fantastic. there are probably a few people, people here. Yeah. Well, yeah. obviously, I know people on Twitter, I know, and so I, know. I, I mean, um, yeah. I so I think so. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, loads and loads of projects <laughs> are easy enough for user experience folks with a a bit of knowledge and maybe you've read a couple of books, mm. maybe you've read the Polar Bear book or my book. Mm. There's lots of projects that are simple enough for that. I suspect that a lot of projects are being done by good user experience folks, but failing. Mm. And people don't know quite, quite know why they're failing. Um, I do see sometimes um, projects like the people show me what they've worked on and I look at the... IA or the categories, and I'm like, oh, I know that's going to fail <laughs> um, because they've done something that, uh, you know, put an audience scheme in where it shouldn't or something. Um, and there are, some, there, are, there are some really complex problems that information architects are being asked to do. Mm. So I've worked on, a, like, federal government, whole of government right. information mm, architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Lisa Reichelt knew that she needed information architecture and mm. and knew yeah. me and knew to ask for right. it, mm. the job I'm doing with the ABC, they they did know they know they need information architecture because they've got a lot of content that they're trying to structure, mm. so they know enough to know to ask. Yeah. One of our big retailers in Australia, um, Mags Hanley's working for, who's at, like Mags is a um, ex BBC, ex UK, really well known information architect. Mm they knew that they had a problem with their catalogue and to ask for it. So, like, it does get asked a bit. You probably don't see it in... You know, it's probably much more, um, I know we need this because it's super complex. I'm going to handpick people. Exactly. Mm. That's prob- possibly yeah. why it's not turning up in... Job listings, mm. yeah. Job listings yeah. so much. Mm. Um, but there definitely are people around still with that, uh, that kind of detail focus mm. and skills. Mm. And again, about the fact that there's so many existing things like websites i mean mm. it's maybe not seen as necessary to to bring in the information architect specialist as a job mm. you know when you already have yeah. the, the, you know the grocery category categories on your on your um, e-commerce site and so on yeah you've already got a taxonomy for your catalog mm. um 
But you need to remind. You know I'm sometimes thinking, people yeah. aren't trying to fix the fundamental mm. problems as mm. well. They're trying to. We we see all those kind of flashier, mm. more fun, mm. more innovative projects, mm-hmm. uh, and probably fewer. Oh my god, we've got to fix the fundamentals here, and that might be part of it as well. Mm. Okay, well, just let go. I mean, I've certainly heard of projects who they're like, oh, that's way too hard to rebuild. That we'll just make mm. a new one and <laughs> start from scratch. To get people interested in information architecture, I know that you like to play games as well. You have some exercises. Mm-hmm. Could you recommend some exercises that you could do with your team uh, to get them thinking more about information architecture? Yes. Hmm. Uh, but yes, but. And the yes, but is... <laughs> It'll cost you. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to say it depends. <laughs> no, no. I think that you need to... So I've always been of the mind hmm. that I invent techniques hmm. quite a lot. And I always have because I hmm. always go, okay, I've got this problem. What might I do with this problem to solve it rather than say what game might I play or what technique might I use? So okay, often yeah. I'll invent mm. stuff. Yeah. I didn't invent card sorting. Mm. It was already around. Yeah. But, and, but stuff like card sorting mm. um, or techniques or games that help people see that other people think differently yes. are really good. Mm. So you can do something where you... Um, you know, get ideas of your content or get ideas, I don't know, if you grab a grocery store Mm. list or grab any kind of domain and say, okay, we'll organize these. And you just show people that that they think differently. So that's, and that's Mm. often really good to do with Mm. stakeholders to show that this stakeholders or people who Mm. have expertise in a field think very differently Mm. to people who don't have expertise in it. Um, So you can play games like that Mm. in workshops Mm. that help just go, oh, we're different to each other. I really like that because, I mean, that's something that a lot of UXers presume that what they've thought up is the solution. And then just doing an exercise like that, it's so fast. You realize everybody thinks differently. Mm. Yeah, and we, and we think differently because <laughs> yeah. we've got different upbringings, different specializations, yeah. um, different ways, mm. ways we use mm. words. In mm. Europe, you know, there's a lot of people who are working in more than one language mm. and mm. that affects thought and how you like think about how things might be grouped, mm. but so does your culture and your way mm. of approaching the world. Um, so being able to show people that is often a really good start just to go, look, this is what we're dealing with, dealing with people thinking um, yeah. in different ways. We just did this super fun thing at the ABC the other day where I'm, I'm working in TV and we're looking at kind of personalization for our TV homepage. Um, and we got our usability testers to um, do this thing where they designed their perfect homepage. So we, like, we basically got, you know, you imagine Netflix and there's a, uh, I don't know, gritty horror films, sci-fi thrillers, blah, blah, blah. So we got all of our, like, rows of different kind of content. And we said, here you go, mm. make your perfect homepage. And they would go through, oh, wow, yeah. and you could do this internally as yeah. well. They went through and went, no, no, wouldn't like that. That's stupid. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like I should like this one, so I'm going to put it on. I feel like I should watch more of that. I love those; they're great. Mm. And boy, we learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm. And then you know, being able to even even if you don't get internal people to do the activity, showing them what we learned from it, and showing mm. them the the things that people did and why they did it. Mm. So it might not be a game inside your team, but showing why people think like they do yeah. and like the the stuff like 
I really feel like I should be better at that. So I'm going to put this on mm. my list. That's a wonderful Even though of... I know I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. It's a fant- <laughs> fantastic amount of meta information mm. that you gather from that process. Yeah. Now we've got characteristics for these objects that are yeah. buried amongst these objects. Yeah. So Excellent. we can make a category of documentaries mm. you think you should watch. Yeah. And it would probably work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Or extrapolate other documentaries from those. Yep, or something. Yeah. But it was a really fun, it was a fun game to play in the usability test. And it's not necessarily an existing technique that's out there. I'm like, hmm, what are we trying to learn? I reckon we could do this thing and it'd be really fun. It's super fun just sitting and talking to people and saying, so what do you watch on TV? Why do you like that? (laughs) It's really, it's really, really interesting diving into the details of people's brains. Mm, It is. And making them think about why they, why they do things. Uh, I'm now really excited. I, I'm actually going to schedule in a reading of your book now. Excellent. I'm, I'm realizing I need this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm feeling much more excited yeah, about information yeah, exactly. objects yes. at the end of this. Thank you so Good. much for sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sitting down with us, Donna. Thanks, Donna. You're very welcome. <laughs> so I really like what, what Donna said about uh, the best books have come out of economic slumps because that really made me think of how much our world changes, as we also talked about, how much has changed since I read about information architecture for the first time. And you read a title like the title of a workshop, which is Introduction to Information Architecture, and you think, yeah, well, I know that sort of. And then you don't think about how much has changed in the 15 to 20 years since I first read that um, Polar Bear book. And I realized... There's so much to learn here that we should be focusing on that, as we said, are core competencies that we should be thinking about before we even put pen to paper, before we even do a sketch. We need to think about the structure. We need to know what we're doing. Mm. I actually, I I, I saw, of course, Donna's workshop title and thought, oh, introduction to information architecture. Uh, But if if she'd put it actually as reintroduction to information architecture. Yes, exactly. I think I'd have raised my eyebrows a little bit and, and and thought about how much things have changed and and how it isn't the same as what it was um and and how maybe you do need to to rethink some of the the core skills you've got or or awareness like we talked about i mean a lot of the time it's enough to just know something exists uh, and how to kind of um how to pick up on it um rather than learn it thoroughly yourself and also like we said a lot of the things that have changed is uh that things are much more complex today than they were before, which means I think that information architecture really is even more relevant today than it than it was before. There are yeah. so many more things to consider when you're building a website and trying to help people to empower people uh, by making it easier to navigate. Yeah, do you remember? Like, it made me think of um, well, this kind of thing is um, the complexity. Mm. It's of course it's the integration between different uh, interfaces or systems or databases or or, or um, information um, models. Um, and it reminded me of our chat um, oh, a year ago, nearly with um, Jonas Söderström. Oh yeah, when okay. we talked about um, complexity. Yes. Um, and, and how things are just so complicated mm. now. Um, yeah, and which is a, a really huge problem in itself, uh, something we should be addressing more. And because a lot of the times we think that, yes, what we do is about making it simple for people, uh, making it easy for them to find and understand information, but it should be more about helping them uh, learn, helping them make better decisions. Uh, So 
the complexity, uh, I think, should be something that we should be more aware of uh, because it's there and it's it's something that we can't always help help everyone with unless we actually, now I'm thinking about information architecture again, unless we actually do the legwork leg and understand how the different bits and pieces of the World Wide Web fit together for each individual so that they can navigate it. I think um, Donna mentioned discovery and, and, and the work you do during the discovery phase. Mm. Um, and um, coming up later this autumn, we have an interview with Dan Brown about discovery. Um, but there's, I feel there's a lot of, a lot of focus around, dis around discovery being um, to do with the, the, the interface. Yeah. Um, discovering what people want to do with interfaces and how they're going to work with interfaces or how do they currently use interfaces. Um, even though there's a lot of um, ethnographic um, aspects too, um, some, of the, some of the things to do with um, um, uh, information structures perhaps is, is underlooked in discovery phases. I def um, definitely believe so, yes. And even, even looking at existing data. But um, um, now, so that'd be interesting to to think more about how you can be multidimensional in your discovery phases. Yeah, and I really like that she also brought up the importance of, well, really diversity in the way that we discussed, that you have to notice how different people interpret information in different ways and people want to have interfaces in different ways because we are different people. It's hard to find one solution. And that's where information architecture can help. It can, all, it can help you... Uh, create uh, solutions where you can uh, attack, see information from different viewpoints uh, by sorting it and navigating through it in different ways. If you enjoy the show, then please rate us, star us, heart us, or whatever interaction pattern that the particular platform you're listening to us on has decided to employ. <laughs> and there's bound to be a whole team of wonderful um, UXs and designers have decided what is best for you in that platform. Where are UX Podcast? One word, if um, you want to at mention us show notes are available on uxpodcast.com we are your hosts James Royal Lawson and Per Axboom remember to keep moving see you on the other side knock knock Who's there? Mikey. Mikey who? Mikey doesn't fit in the keyhole.